afternoon and welcome to this edition of the KTH 9:10 a.m. interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. I'm Dave Palmer, host of the program. Diane Xavier is running the board flawlessly today, and we are appreciative uh, of her for that. Also thankful to everybody who gives me suggestions for interviews because uh, I appreciate all the leads, and we basically like to talk about good things that are happening here in North Texas, uh, the, the intersection between our Catholic faith and uh, geographically the Dallas and Fort Worth Diocese. And we also do this out in the Tyler Diocese as well. One of the things that I know everybody loves a good story, uh, a story of, uh, of, of a life, especially when there's a, uh, you know, something, uh, a turnaround, uh, conversion, or, you know, just some kind of moral transformation. And that's what I'm going to present for you today, uh, a story of a, a, a really interesting lady who has uh, recently spoke at a birth choice event and actually is involved in the school where my daughters attend, uh, Founders in Flower Mound. And uh, she and her husband, Rob, are uh, parishioners at St. Benedict uh, Traditional Latin Mass Parish in Fort Worth. And her name is Amy Wazaleski. And uh, she is going to be telling us her story, which uh, I don't know a whole lot about it, but I think it's very interesting. So, Amy, welcome and thanks for being here. Well, thank you so much, Dave. I appreciate the opportunity to praise God and tell a bit of my story and um, hopefully reach some of those out there who also may be um, living a different life and, and can mm-hmm. see that by turning to God, um, things are good, following Jesus and Mary. Yeah, nobody is uh, beyond the mercy of God, right? Correct. And uh, yours is a great story. So let's start from the beginning, <laughs> your birth. No, uh, your upbringing, uh, I don't think it was in Texas. So no. where did you grow up? Uh, what kind of a family life, siblings, religious background, anything like that? Well, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest and uh, was raised by wonderful, wonderful loving parents. Uh, my mother was raised in the Catholic faith, but she chose to leave it. So uh, my father was raised a Christian, but when I came um, into the family, um, they were not practicing any religion at all, though they were supportive of whatever I wanted to pursue. But specifically, uh, becoming Catholic was something that was definitely not on the table because Mm -hmm. my mom left that faith. So it's amazing to think that today I pray with my grandmother's rosary, and it's amazing that I'm sitting in a Catholic radio station from that perspective. (laughs) That's for sure. It's interesting that approach of just, hey, you know, whatever you Mm want to choose, uh, how did that go for you? I mean, as a five or six or 10 year old, and you're obviously not getting a lot of, you know, direction. Yeah, you should do this. Uh, How does that work in a young mind when everything's open and Mm -hmm. you're just like, I don't know what to choose or maybe choose nothing? Well, looking back on it as a child, it was confusing. Now, I think parents think that they are being supportive of their child making decisions, and that might work when it comes to sports. Choosing gymnastics over Mm -hmm. soccer is just fine, but choosing one's faith is very different. When I look back on how I was raised, I know that God and Mother Mary had a role in my upbringing because the very first church that I walked into was a Catholic church. Mm. The neighbors across the street were attending mass and they asked if I wanted to go with them. And my parents said, sure, why not? Yeah. No harm. And I went and I remember it specifically. Oh. All these how years later. Oh my goodness. I must have been seven, eight. I mean, oh, okay. I was quite young. And they were a lovely, lovely Catholic family. And that had made an impression. I think it did. Absolutely. So then going into high school, um, I became a Christian and joined some uh, Bible studies at a local Baptist church, but they didn't give me the answers that I needed. Once I went off to college, a very, very progressive liberal school, I let it go. Christianity was not giving me the answers. And specifically, it was against what I believed at that time. Mm-hmm. 
So I did not stick with it. And then at that time was dating someone who was Jewish and um, participated in some of those um, services and found it very interesting. Went to a Unitarian church for a while, but really didn't find a place until I came home to the Catholic church. Mm -hmm. Interesting that you said in high school, you uh, apparently were influenced by some friends Mm -hmm. or you got into Christianity. Mm -hmm. And then by college, through that influence at a very liberal college, boom, it's gone. Gone. And that's a warning, I think, to a lot of parents out there. (laughs) Watch out what happens, even to good kids in college under bad influence. And of course, you and your husband are teachers, and you know, and I have been a teacher, you have a big influence on on children, for good or for bad, in in that case. Uh, So, okay, now you're in college, you're kind of going here and there, and kind of testing things out. Uh, what, what, what came next uh, during college? Any kind of spiritual development? I know I know. Um, 1999 is going to be a big year for mm-hmm. you in, in a not, not so great way, but mm-hmm. anything leading up to that uh, or, or what else in, in your, your early young adult life? Not in terms of religion. I mean, at that point, I was leading a very uh, progressive liberal life, did not have uh, church as part of my life and really didn't see a purpose for it. Life was fine, um, doing well in my career, making lots of friends, and so did not really see a purpose for having God in my life. When asked if I was religious, I would say, well, probably leaning towards agnostic. I think there's something out there, some kind of spiritual being, but definitely not something that was in my life. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ seemed like a good role model to follow, but I never really had considered if he was the son of God, if yeah. his miracles were true or not. I just didn't give it much thought. What line of work were you in? Um, I was in the nonprofit world. I led two nonprofits as their executive director. Okay. Uh, we haven't said anything about uh, kind of the, the one of the big reasons we're doing this interview right now and, uh, you know, kind of the topic of the talk that you gave recently at Birth Choice is that uh, in 1999, you began working for Planned Parenthood. And I think of Abby Johnson mm-hmm. and the Unplanned, where she's just at some kind of job fair. She walks mm-hmm. up to a table and she's like, yeah, sure. Okay, you help people. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll work for them. Mm-hmm. So tell us, uh, how did this come about? Sure. Well, being raised in a very progressive and liberal home, um, contraception was very much celebrated and the norm in marriages. Abortion was something that needed to be legal, and we were very happy that it was. Uh, Living with someone before marriage was a good idea. So this is how I was raised. I moved to a new town and started looking for work. Planned Parenthood had an opening, and I applied for it. Mm -hmm. I asked some friends, what would it be like working for Planned Parenthood in a conservative town? And they said, oh, you'll be fine. It's very well respected here. Everyone loves Planned Parenthood, and it'll open some doors for you. So where were you living now? Yakima, Washington. Okay, okay. And so you're in Yakima... Uh, start working. What was mm-hmm. the title of the position or what were you doing? Sure. I was an executive assistant. It was a grant funded program through the CDC to prevent subsequent teen pregnancies. Okay. So each day I saw 14 and 15 year old girls come in who'd already uh, given birth to one child and Planned Parenthood was there to prevent them from having future children until they were ready to do yeah. so. Which in and of itself seems like a noble mission. Absolutely. I mean, it's like, yeah, we don't want them to we have other, other unwanted children. Yeah. So it was that kind of what brought you in? Is Absolutely. Because you would have done you wouldn't have pursued something you thought was evil so you thought it was a good thing i absolutely thought it was a good thing here i am helping these poor girls that unfortunately have already have one child they are financially not able to have another one they need to get back to school they've dropped out of high school 
I'm there to help them. Mm-hmm. So even though I was just working as an executive assistant or um, administrative assistant, I thought, I'm helping. I'm really yeah. helping the community out. And then, just like in the name, they're planning their pregnancies. Yeah. They're choosing when to parent. Right. And, uh, you know, I think everybody, you could say, well, there's probably something good that mm-hmm. anybody, any group does, right? right? But at that point in your life, working as this executive uh, assistant, what was your awareness of like, well, but they also do abortions mm-hmm. and we, everybody would have to admit that's ending a life. Did, right. did that hit the radar? Was it just like, oh, it's, it's fine because these, these children probably would, would be abused or what was the rationalization? Well, the rationalization for me was that abortion and contraception is the responsible choice mm-hmm. because we really want to love all children in this world. But if a family isn't able to love them at that time, yeah. for whatever reasons, that it's actually responsible to end that pregnancy. Yeah. And you'll note that I said end the pregnancy, not yeah. kill a child. Yeah. The terminology is very important. Oh, yeah. So I was raised in that time, I firmly believe that if someone was using contraception, if someone had chosen not to parent, then if the chances happen and they become pregnant, then it is just fine to choose that abortion. Mm-hmm. And at that time, that Planned Parenthood did not offer abortions. They offered them at another facility nearby. And I remember thinking how sad it was that this poor girl was going to have to drive several hours that she wouldn't have access mm-hmm. to reproductive care, yeah. as it's called in that world. Yeah. Of course, since then, I've changed my mind considerably. But at the time, I firmly believed and supported the work that Planned Parenthood did. Did you ever have uh, pro-life people praying outside the office? Uh, I know you're in a very mm-hmm. liberal part of the country, but everywhere right. there is uh, a, a pocket of yes. people like that. What, what was your attitude towards them? You had to have been aware of mm-hmm. the, the debate in the culture. This is a hot, hot topic. Right. What was your attitude towards the other side at that time? Well, um, I, I think of that fondly, and it's one of the reasons that I like to tell this story, um, especially to people who have always, always believed that abortion is wrong. Mm-hmm. So later in life, I worked for the, um, after working for Planned Parenthood, I became a member of the board and we, both times we had significant trainings for how do you handle that group of people? Mm. Because we had protesters that were out front. We were trained on where they can stand, what they can do, signs they can hold. And so we were aware of them and they were, they told us to not, uh, confront them, to just walk on by. Mm Well, one day I'd shown up before the clinic opened to get some supplies for a fundraiser. So I was parked my car and I was ready to walk in and a gentleman was out front and he yelled at me and he said, you don't have to kill your baby. Hmm. And I thought, I'm not here for an abortion (laughs) and it's not a baby. Yeah. Oh, and you don't know what you're talking about. Did you say that to him? No, I just thought it. I thought it because I was told do not engage, do not confront and keep walking. And what I thought at the time was this man is so misguided. He doesn't know what a woman's going through. Even if I chose to do that, it would be the right choice. Mm -hmm. He didn't change my mind. And frequently we had protesters out front with really ugly, awful signs. And they didn't change my mind either. Right. Right. It's the more gentle, peaceful, yes. prayerful approach. Right. Now, in uh, Yakima, Washington, mm-hmm. this ex- executive to the assistant, the assistant to the executive of the position you had <laughs> only lasted nine months. Yes. Why, why, why such a short stint? Sure. Um, it was just a, a supportive administrative assistant job, um, helping them uh, manage the funds, doing some paperwork, um, overseeing some teen volunteers. So when I went into it, I knew that it was coming to an end because the grant funding was coming to an end. Okay. Um, but I knew it opened doors for me because so many prominent people were on the board at Planned Parenthood and new people. And it did. So because of the connections that I made there, I was able to then land a job uh, running a nonprofit in town. 
Yeah. Okay. So you, for uh, a number of years, mm-hmm. ran some nonprofits, and mm-hmm. it wouldn't be until 2013 that you're on the board of Planned Parenthood all of a sudden. So, right. well, anything uh, significant in that interim period that uh, we, we should talk about? Um, just my career was growing. Um, I was becoming more prominent in the community, people knowing who I was. And I had many friends that were uh, involved with Planned Parenthood. I was a donor, I went to their yearly fundraisers, and I made it known that. I very much wanted to be on their board of directors. And thanks to the people that I knew through those organizations, service clubs, um, I was able to be invited to join the board. I yeah. was very happy when I was. Okay, still single, right? Uh, or had you gotten married at, at, at this, yeah, this so point? Yeah, so during okay. this time period, I had been married um, and went, during the time of Okay. The board. All right. So uh, tell us about the 2013 joining the board. They came to you. You said you were interested. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what exactly did that mean to be on the board of Planned Parenthood? Was that on the national level, state level or what? It was the um, central Washington level. And so it covered a region of yeah. the central Washington area. Um, and I was able to serve um, as a board member in the capacity of overseeing the financials, looking at our programs, being involved with fundraisers and um, just over, you know, overseeing the the, kind of the day-to-day through the executive director yeah, of what was yeah, happening. Okay, and still, obviously, you're all in. Yes. This is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, but then something changed because you only were on the board for about a year. By 2014, you're gone. That's correct. And I know that you had mentioned in an email, you said that um, a, a life-changing event happened at a Roe v. Wade celebration hosted by Planned Parenthood. So right. this is the big crescendo. This is this is your bay like I, I think of Abby Johnson right. watching that ultrasound and, and yes. that that moment, you know, beat me up, Scotty. You know, right. that that was her moment. So you had your moment, didn't you? I did, I did. And and Abby Johnson and I have have spoken about how we both had our moments with that. And we we both laughed about the term uh, celebration. Yeah. She said, you know, when we both worked for Planned Parenthood, it was common for us to celebrate celebrate Roe Roe v. Wade. And I know that that is odd to the ears of people who do not support abortion. But as someone who did, of course, we would celebrate that landmark ruling in 1973 that um, allowed women to have access to abortion without excessive um, barriers in the way. Mm-hmm. So during this time period where my life-changing moment happened, um, I was single. That progressive marriage didn't work out as I had, you know, thought it would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm single. I'm on the board at Planned Parenthood and it was time for the celebration where once a year we came together to do that. Now, prior to going to this event, um, a pro-life friend had confronted me gently and said, tell me why you believe in abortion. Why do you think it's okay to do this? And I thought, well, I'm going to turn him. My best friend at the time actually used those terms. She said, turn him, turn him mm-hmm. to our side. Yeah. And I thought, good, I have all the evidence that I need to show him that abortion is okay. So I did my research. I started looking into, you know, what does Planned Parenthood believe? What does the other side believe? How can I chink away at his beliefs mm-hmm. that abortion is wrong? And in doing so, I started to doubt And I started to think about what's that timeline between a positive pregnancy test and when an abortion happens? Mm -hmm. How many weeks is that? How old is that fetus? How long in the pregnancy has that woman gone? So I went into the Roe v. Wade celebration with a little doubt in my heart. So I walked in there kind of feeling like a little bit of a coward as I walked in. Mm -hmm. Because I'm a member of the board. My best friend is the board president. 
and I got a very nice glass of wine, this very fancy restaurant, and um, the executive director welcomed all of us, thanked us for celebrating women, thanked us for support of reproductive freedom in this area where it's so important. And as he was thanking all of us to be there, he said, I would like to introduce to you somebody from the clinic. She is one of our staff members, and she's going to tell a little story about what happened in the clinic today, because this story highlights exactly why we support planning pregnancies. This lovely woman stood up, and she again thanked us for being there, and she said, well, today something happened in the clinic that really showed why Planned Parenthood needs to exist. She said a woman came in, we went into the clinic room, we confirmed her pregnancy, she said she did not want to have the child, we scheduled the abortion procedure. The patient then said to the clinic worker, it looks like you're pregnant. And the clinic worker said, why, yes, I am. And that was it. And as she told that story, I pictured that clinic room, the clinic room that I had toured when it was being built, the clinic room that I helped financially support. And I pictured this woman who had chosen to have a procedure called an abortion next to a woman who was also pregnant. And it hit me that one of those babies is going to live and one of them is going to die. Mm -hmm. One of them will have a baby shower and the other one will have nothing. And there is no difference between those children. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize how stupid I was. And I put down my glass of wine and I walked to the parking lot and I burst into tears and I felt like the dumbest person in the world. Wow! I'm smart. How did I not figure this out? So it was a life-changing event, and it, was, it hurt my pride. I thought, I'm a smart woman. I should be able to know this. How yeah. have I been able to support the killing of children? Because that's exactly what's happening. Wow. wow. I don't understand how an ultrasound can be shown and shared with all of our friends, this little tiny baby, at the same stage that that same little tiny baby can legally be killed and dismembered. Mm-hmm. It just didn't make any sense yeah. to me. It makes me think, how could anybody involved in Planned Parenthood who g- gets pregnant, gets excited about being pregnant, right. has a baby, yes. raises a baby, yes. and not see exactly what you just saw, that yes. this this celebration yes. is is the same thing that we're lamenting in somebody else, but they're, they're both innocent children. They're they, both the same child. That, that, that disconnect. It doesn't make sense. Let me just uh, remind everybody, you're hearing a, a, a fabulous, fascinating story of God's mercy, and uh, just uh, it's a wonderful story. Uh, Amy Wazaleski is our guest. Uh, she and her husband, Rob, are parishioners at St. Benedict Parish in Fort Worth, and uh, they're both educators at Founders and Flower Mound. And uh, we're just we're just getting into the story here. So you're on your car, you're sobbing, right. and people at your table are probably wondering what happened to her. Is right. she just go to the restroom, or uh, so what happens next? Well, um, I didn't know where to turn because I had you know made this realization, and I was all by myself. I what do I do with this information now? I, I knew I couldn't stay on the board, but I wasn't quite there yet. So I needed to talk to somebody. But again, all of my friends were um, pro-choice. You know, I didn't really have anyone to talk this through except for a pastor that I knew. Now, I'm not religious at the time. I'm not attending any parishes. I don't know anyone. But I knew a man who was a pastor. I'd known him for a long time. And I met him at Planned Parenthood. Mm. Planned Parenthood used to have lunch and learns with clergy, clergy that were supportive of contraception, that were supportive of abortion. So I called him up. I said, I need to talk to you. And I'd known him for over 10 years. So I went to his church and I sat down with him and I said, you need to convince me why abortion is okay. 
because I knew if he couldn't do that, that my life was going to rapidly change Mm -hmm. and significantly take a different direction. And he said, I do support abortion. And I said, "Um, do you believe that's a child of God? And he said, it is. I said, then how are you able to support the killing of a child of God? And he said, because sometimes it's necessary, because sometimes the woman's been assaulted, because sometimes the child might have deformities that won't allow them to live. And he said, I pray with a woman when she chooses abortion. Hmm. I said, I don't understand that. I don't get it. And I kept asking him over and over again, convince me. You Mm -hmm. need to convince me why this is okay. And he couldn't do it. He just couldn't. And that's when I knew if he was the one, he was the one I knew that could change it. Yeah. Cause and a comfortable thing for you would be to stay in Planned Parenthood, keep yes. all your friends. Yes. I mean, this, this major 180 right. is going to be difficult. You realize that professionally, mm-hmm. personally, mm-hmm. uh, in every regard. Uh, let me, let me ask, um, what, what was, the, the, the talking points on Margaret Sanger. Uh, well, well, you know, she's even now they're kind of running away from her right. because of the racism yes. and eugenics and all that kind of stuff. Uh, what, 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 did that come up back then? It did. It did. Um, because as board members and as staff members, you know, you want to know your founder. Yeah. You know, you, uh, Mother Angelica, you know, we, you tell her story about how Catholic mm-hmm. Radio came about. We all yeah. want to know, you know, who was the catalyst for starting a movement. And uh, Margaret Sanger was someone that we discussed, uh, someone that we were very proud of, someone that was helping women in a crisis time in their lives. Yeah. And so, um, very much so, was, was built up as um, a courageous, courageous woman who, who stood up for the lives of, of people, especially people in poverty, and making sure they had access to what they needed. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the the pastor did not give you a satisfactory answer. At this point, you're thinking, you know, I, what am I going to do? Right. You know. So so what what happened next? Well, um, after that, um, I had two very close friends, and I went to both of them and shared with them my changed views on abortion. <laughs> I bet that went over well. Huh? <laughs> Not so well, no. Um, I had the firm belief that best friends are best friends and they won't leave you, and I was wrong on that. Mm-hmm. I went to one of them, and I shared with her that um, that's a child. That is a child growing in a womb that we celebrate um, if it's wanted, but we don't celebrate it if it's not. Mm-hmm. And she said she respected my decision, and she asked that I don't stand outside of Planned Parenthood and protest with ugly signs. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I'm not sure if I can promise that. but The, <laughs> <laughs> the ugly signs, perhaps, just because that's my own personal view on those. But standing yeah. outside and praying for people is very effective, and I have done it. And it may be what also changed my heart were yeah. some of those prayers out yeah. there. Um, the other friend became extremely angry with me and stopped talking with me. Mm. So I, I lost my best friends over this decision. But I knew I had to because once I know the truth with God and I imagine standing before Jesus Christ, I need him to know that I did the right thing. Mm-hmm. And that's why I did it. One of the most perplexing things I find is you take somebody like President Biden right. or Pelosi or, you know, you name it. The I don't know if you heard about the, the young valedictorian at yes. Lake Highlands High School, intelligent, yes. clearly intelligent, and gets up there and talks about abortion. And I'm like, it's it's like a darkening of the intellect. Yes. It's it, And I don't understand how... These aren't people don't have horns grown out of their head. They're, if I sat down at lunch, they're probably, mm-hmm. you know, nice, pe- friendly people. Mm-hmm. 
Why, why, why you, you? You said the friend challenged you, yes. and then, but yeah, but the, these people get challenged all the time, it seems. Right. But what, what, what's the difference? Why, why you? Was it just the grace of God, or why Amy Wasilewski and not Joe Biden mm-hmm. or Kamala Harris or right. Nancy Pelosi? Have you ever been able to oh. figure out what, why? Um, well, I know it's God for sure. Yeah, it's God and it's the devil completely. I think that. Being able to change one's mind on something like this, that we link with our identity, pride comes into it big time. Yeah. And I did change my identity. I mean, I, I changed who I am completely. And a lot of it was due to this one decision. Because once you make the decision that abortion is wrong, it puts you in a different camp than the yeah. other camp. Mm-hmm. And it is part of our, our, um, our identity themselves. But I agree with you. It's not that people are dumb. I mean, the science is out there. Yeah. It's a child. I mean, the heartbeat bill explains that clearly. Mm-hmm. A, a heartbeat is when a life is living, and that is not a clump of cells. Where I think in the past, we were able to hide behind that with the abortion movement. We were able to say, there is the baby's not growing yet. It's really not a child. It's super tiny. You know, it's you're just flushing away, you know, something that's not really a, a person yet. But today, we're able to prove that that is not the case. Mm-hmm. So you would think, as you're leading to, that that smart intellectual people could then choose that and say, whoa, whoa wait a minute, I was yeah. wrong. And that is a little tiny hand that I'm seeing, and that is a little foot. But to change our minds on that means changing what we believe also about who we are in relationships. So, in, and this is what gets into the, the beauty of the Catholic faith, is when you look at families and couples being designed to show glory to God, um, it's about serving God and not ourselves. Mm-hmm. But if you're living in a progressive world, in a progressive relationship, it's about serving me, and it's about serving my spouse. Yeah. So, you're not serving God. So, I think it's, you know, why why hasn't Joe Biden changed his mind? Um you know, part of it just might be that pride. You get so locked into this is what I believe and justifying it, just mm-hmm. like the pastor did. Yeah. He said, I pray with those women when they make that decision. And he prays with them because he knows it's wrong. Yeah. He knows it's sad. He explained that. He knows it's very sad. Well, if he knows it's sad, then why can't he stop? Why, yeah. why can't he change his mind? Right. But changing your mind, it is, it is hard. It is very hard. Even when abortion butts heads with other liberal causes Mm -hmm. like racism, where clearly a, a a disproportionate number of black babies are being aborted. When it, uh, butts heads with feminism, like sex selected abortion, uh, it it still doesn't register. I mean, it's like, what else is it going to take? And so this is where God, pours out his graces yes. as he will. Let, let's, um, and if you're just joining us, this is the interview of the week. Fascinating story of God's grace pouring upon our guest, Amy Wasilewski, and, uh, who now, as you can tell, she's here at Catholic Radio. She's, uh, uh, a Catholic came into the, the, the church. Um, I should say, but was baptized in 2015. So yes. you're, you're still kind of a baby Catholic, aren't you? Oh, yes. Uh, have a wonderful husband and doing great, great work in, in so many, uh, so many ways. Let's talk about um, contraception, Mm -hmm. because this is something that you also had to change your mind yes. on. You started off talking about how your family was very, you know, pro- uh, for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about that and how that kind of 
you know, connects with the, 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 your thoughts on abortion as well. It does very much so. Um, as you mentioned, Dave, I was I was raised in a um, in a family that that firmly believed the responsible choice was contraception, whether it be um, temporary or permanent. You know, having your tubes tied or having a vasectomy. I mean, it was very much a part of that's the responsible thing to do once you choose um, not to parent. Uh, that brought me into college where I was a resident assistant and um, I became known as the condom lady. So I would uh, distribute condoms um, in the dorm and uh, each semester have the health department come in and teach um, uh, birth control methods. Um, I took women in for pregnancy tests and made sure that they had um, healthy relationships. I firmly believe that part of a healthy relationship uh, meant that you, you know, use birth control. So that also led to why later I worked for Planned Parenthood because mm-hmm. I thought that was that's what you needed to do. You make you're in a committed relationship and you make sure that you use birth control. So I always thought that was the right thing to do and then continued to to believe that up until um the point of my uh my conversion and 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 falling in love with with our Lord Jesus Christ. So as I looked into Catholicism, there were several things that I had to tackle, abortion being one of them and contraception being the other. And I didn't understand why it was wrong. Mm-hmm. So I started looking into what makes a good Catholic marriage. It was all over the place. You do not use contraception. I thought this is ridiculous. This is not responsible. This is unfair. I don't, it just, it really did not make sense to me until I read Humane Vitae written in 1968. Pius, uh, Paul VI. Yes, yeah. Pope Paul VI. And um, I know God led me to that document. I printed it off, read the whole thing, and highlighted all of the parts that had come true. Mm-hmm. All of his predictions about what would happen in our society when contraception is introduced happened in my life, in my parents' lives, the friends of my parents, my friends. It was all true. Everything, how mm-hmm. marriage is seen, how it is disposable, how people use each other, how we look to each other for our own satisfaction, not for the satisfaction of God, how marriages become um, dis- dis- disposable completely. There's no permanency to it. And I could tie it back. Now, similar to when I met with the pastor about abortion, I also wanted Humane Vitae to be wrong. And I kept looking for that glimmer of hope. Mm-hmm. And I went through in my mind um, the relationships that I had known growing up and the ones that I knew currently, and I said, okay, are any of them working? And they weren't. Mm-hmm. And all of them were using contraception. Yeah. And many of my friends were also um, using in vitro as well. And that's a whole other topic, but not following God's plan, not realizing that there is actually gifts that come out of infertility. Yeah. Instead of fighting it, succumb to what God wants for you. Follow his plan. Follow his plan for marriage. So, Humane Vitae really led me to the Catholic Church because it showed me what God's plan is, and then what happens when we don't follow it. Mm-hmm. Why did you read it? Did somebody suggest, or did you just pick it up one day? Or And what was the time of that? I'm trying to put the timeline sure, sure. together. <laughs> what, do you remember the year you read Humana Vitae? Uh, it would have been in 2014. Okay, and so, so you'd I'd, already left uh, the board. Uh, it was right uh, about that time. Yeah, yeah it was a, a, a pretty um, a big year of, of leaving the board, um, Looking into the Catholic faith, um, losing my friends, and uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, choosing choosing a new direction in my life, which came out of my desire to be the best person I can be. I yeah. think I learned about Humane Vitae. Um, I, re- I was reading quite a bit of Catholic books about relationships and marriage. Um, uh, Rediscover Catholicism was was a very important one to me. So I think it was referenced in one of 
one of the books I was yeah. reading. And then Tell me it. about uh, Catholic Radio sure. and how that uh, kind of played into all this. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a timeline guy, so I'm trying <laughs> right. to think of, uh, uh, but yeah, what, when, when were you introduced to that and what impact did that have on you? Sure. Um, so this is when I was in Yakima, Washington, and uh, as I was looking into the Catholic faith, I had heard about the Catholic radio station um, there in Yakima. And so turned it on and started listening to some of the programs that were being offered and found that a few of them were specific for non-Catholics, which mm. was perfect. So uh, I started listening to those and hearing people call in that were just like me and asking those same questions. Why is contraception wrong? And I would turn up the volume and say, yes, tell me, why is it wrong? Or mm -hmm. how do I answer my friend's question about abortion? We don't agree anymore. How do I respond to that? Very helpful. Uh, do people worship Mary? Oh, good question. What's the answer to that? So those programs were very helpful. Now, I started listening to the Sunrise Morning Show in the mornings, which mm -hmm. was great. Um, and then I started listening to Teresa Tomio while running at the Y and getting different perspective on the news. Yeah. So while I'm listening to the other news program and then listening to her take on the same news story, started to show me how Catholics view the world differently. And that really opened my eyes, too, to seeing the world from a non-liberal perspective. Mm -hmm. So I was listening to both and that helped yeah. as well. Were you listening to Catholic Radio while working for Planned Parenthood or was that afterwards? Afterwards. Okay. So, afterwards. okay. Yes. But then because I had the radio on in the morning, um, occasionally I'd hop in my car at noon to run errands and the rosary was playing mm -hmm. and I found myself keeping it on. Now I'd never prayed the rosary. Uh, at that time, I didn't know that my mother had kept her mother's rosary, but I just listened to it and I found it very soothing, but I didn't know why. Yeah. Well, of course, now I know that Mother Mary was working on my heart as I ran around and, and did errands in my car. Yeah, amazing. Uh, uh, you would have con definitely considered yourself a feminist. Yes, very much so. And uh, tell us about that. Did, uh, it, it, you know, I guess you can be really, you know, I mean, we're all feminists in a way. Yes. We all love women right. and we want women to achieve their potential. Yes. So how do you describe yourself now and how does feminism fit into this picture? Well, um, it does very much so because it, it was an identity that I um, proudly took on being a strong feminist, believing that um, that women can do whatever they want, that women can, as they say, have it all. I can have a strong marriage and I can have a strong career and I can do my own thing and I can stand on my own two feet and no one needs to open that door for me. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. I do not need a man to take care of me. And I was raised with that, that I was built up by my parents to really be a strong, independent woman. Well, when my friend, my dear, dear friend Pam, one day said, I don't know why you're not Catholic. She was Catholic. She is Catholic. Um, I said, well, that's crazy because Catholics hate women. And she said, she just started laughing. She, <laughs> that's said, what she said, no, we don't. She said, I don't hate women and I'm Catholic. And I said, well, you're crazy. She said, well, when you come into the Catholic church, I'll be your sponsor. Well, fast forward, she was. And mm -hmm. she went through RCIA with me. But through talking with her, it helped me understand that Catholics um, do not hate women. And so I had to tackle that as well, because I thought, if you are in a relationship where the man is making the decisions, then that means that we put the woman first. Mm -hmm. What I didn't understand is that men and women play a unique role in a marriage, and a husband can be the spiritual guide of that marriage, and the woman looks to him for that guidance, which I do now, and he's an excellent spiritual guide mm -hmm. to me and in our, in our marriage. But that doesn't mean that I'm subservient. Yeah, right. Instead, the Catholic Church builds up women in a way that the feminist movement does not. Mm -hmm. And one of those ways is with relationships. Yeah. 
because the Catholic marriage, when done in the way that God created, the woman is put in a place of honor. She is protected. She is nurtured. She is guided. And she is cared for in a way that no progressive marriage can do. Mm, wow. What an amazing transformation. So now here you are, 2021. You've got a wonderful husband whom I know and uh, my, my, my kids know even better because he's their teacher and uh, going to the traditional Latin mass. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would have never <laughs> thought of this 20 years ago. Oh my goodness, that, no. uh, I mean, th- like I'm going to be in a Catholic studio talking about no. being, you know, pro-life and, <laughs> yes. uh, so what, where, where do you go from here? What, what do, how you, you've got a great story to tell and of course you're telling it, mm-hmm. but, um, uh, what, what, what do you think, how can you best utilize the beauty of this story, or what are your plans? By listening to God, absolutely, yeah. is to follow what, uh, what He wants me to do. And when I was in the middle of dis, uh, discerning becoming Catholic, um, when I met with that one of my dear friends, um, she said, I don't understand why you have to go all the way to Catholicism. Why can't you just choose non-denominational? Why can't you just follow Jesus and read the red words in the Bible? Mm-hmm. And I said, because if I'm going to do this, as they say, go big or go home. <laughs> if I'm going to listen to God, I'm going yeah. back to the church yeah. that he designed. And I am going to reverently wear a veil before the Blessed Sacrament, because that is our Lord. That is true. The So, it's by listening to him. And she said, but you're giving up everything. And I did. I quit a very high paying job. I had a beautiful home. I had friends. I had family living nearby. And I said yes to God. But I knew very much so that if I said yes to God, that he would take care of me. And he has. Yeah. Absolutely. Wonderful marriage, beautiful life. And I am blessed in ways that I didn't know was possible. Mm-hmm. But when I made this decision, I had a lot of shame about what I did to support the abortion industry, the money that I donated to Planned Parenthood, the women that I taught how to use birth control. And I went to God and I said, I need to make up for this. And he said to me, no, no, it's not about making up. It's about using it. And so Mm -hmm. God uses everything for good. I absolutely know that. And telling my humiliating story about who I used to be is part of that because I'm hoping that there are women, there are men who think they're doing the right thing in a marriage, when in, in reality, they aren't. Yeah. Because they're leading a progressive life that does involve abortion, that does involve contraception, that does involve using each other. They think it's the right approach, but it's really not. Marriage is hard. And uh, Rob and I both have inscribed in our rings, I am third. And that really means that God is first, and then I serve Him, and then I'm last. Mm -hmm. And having that approach in our marriage has really strengthened who we are as people, who we are as Christians, and who we are as spouses. So, where I take this from here is really listening to God and saying, how can I use this to show people I used to live that life, and it does not work. Yeah. To the person listening right now who has the pro-abortion co-worker mm-hmm. or maybe pro-abortion spouse or, you know, the kid comes home from college and says they're now pro-abortion. Mm-hmm. What's, the, what's the best approach to try to, to, to change minds? Pray and then do what else? Ask. Ask questions. Ask yeah. the person. Bombarding someone with, you know, pictures of an ultrasound don't work, but asking them why, because that's how it started with me. Why do you support this? Mm-hmm. Why do you think this is okay? Why do you think it's acceptable? By kindly asking those questions in a way that their other friends aren't asking them will help them prove why they think it's right, which is how I, those walls came down. 
Yeah. Because I really started looking into it and saying, if I really support this, then it should pan out. And the truth is, it doesn't pan out. Yeah. You mentioned, um, and I've mentioned Amy, uh, Abby Johnson a mm-hmm. couple of times. Um, and then there were none, yes. you know, you're, you're, I guess, a card carrying member of, and <laughs> right. then there was none. Do you work with her? Are you, do you, do you plan on doing anything from an, like a, an official standpoint of, uh, like, you know, what, anything like that or, or more kind of one-on-one just as God guides you or, or do you, do you, do you work with Abby at all? I've talked with her uh, several times, uh, which has been great. Um, her uh, website was instrumental in changing my mind. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I trusted her when I went to other organizations, they, I just, I just dismissed them immediately. But, but Abby Johnson spoke the truth and she helped me understand that um, I could come to the other side and that Planned Parenthood, uh, what they were doing was wrong. So she was instrumental. We've spoken several times, and I've offered to help with that, and I can I can see a future where I'm able to to help her, as as she knows. The offer is there very much for me to help bring others to outside of that yeah, organization. Very nice, uh, beautiful story, uh, and praise God, you know, I, I you, you just look so happy, and <laughs> I know you're uh, you're living a great life now, and so um, thank thank you so much for sharing it. It's 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 wonderful, and I ask everybody to continue to pray. Uh, for Amy, our guest, Amy Wasileski, and uh, what an amazing story. Wow, Catholics hate women. And uh, <laughs> so, some of these things that I'm jotting down, you know, the condom lady. I yes. mean, it just, uh, wow, what an amazing story. You ever thought of writing a book? <laughs> uh, has anybody ever suggested that? No, uh, they haven't. They haven't. Yeah. Um, but I do like being able to share, as, as challenging it is to, as I said, share the, the humiliating parts of our lives. It's very humbling. And I think that that's how we sit at the feet of Jesus, is to, to sit there when i first became catholic I, I felt like i couldn't even look up into his eyes i yeah. could just sit at his feet and say i'm sorry yeah i'm so happy i'm here and help me use this to come from where i was where i thought i was doing the right thing and then to realize i thought i was doing the right thing but i was doing it in the wrong way yeah and right. now i can be that that strong woman who supports other women and do it with mother mary holding my hand yeah. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank Beautiful you, story. And uh, again, Amy Wazileski has been our guest. What a beautiful, beautiful story of transformation and God's grace and God's mercy. So thank you so much uh, for being part of the interview of the week. Thank you. God and bless. Thanks to Diane for running the board and keeping me on track time-wise. Uh, this has been a longer than usual one. I knew we couldn't we couldn't do this in 20 minutes. And so this is what we call a, a double interview of the week. And uh, maybe you know somebody who has a fabulous story uh, and you want it to be told or maybe you run an apostolate or there's anything that's good that's happening here in North Texas uh, of a Catholic flavor. We'd love to hear about it and tell that story here in the interview of the week. If you have such a, a story or maybe it's your story, you can email me directly, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. Have a great rest of your weekend. God bless you. Thanks for joining us for this week's KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Catholic news and information pertinent to North Texas Catholics. Please join us again next week at this same time for another KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. 
Hi, I'm Martha Eberlein. My husband Kyle and I are parishioners at Good Shepherd Catholic Community in Colleyville. As a mother, I know that it is important to have a professional caring dental team. At Mid-Cities Dental, we provide dentistry with compassion in a warm and friendly environment. We are located in Hearst, 15 minutes from the DFW Airport. We can be reached at midcitiesdental.com or 817-282-9321. That's 817-282-9321. Thank you. Can Catholic dogmas go extinct or change? No, but renegades claim otherwise. Christopher Malloy's Against Recent Heresies offers a roadmap for today's confused Catholics. It presents clear teaching on hell, justification, the true religion, marriage, and sodomy. It shows that recent teachings don't overturn doctrine, but offer gentle beginnings for difficult conversations. We complete these conversations with the whole truth. Sophia Press will release Against Recent Heresies soon. Did you know the Knights of Columbus was founded by a priest to provide for widows and orphans? This was Father McGivney's primary concern in 1882 at our founding. Today, the Knights of Columbus has grown into a Fortune 1000 company that has over $24 billion in assets and well over $111 billion of life insurance in force. Doesn't your Catholic family deserve to be protected by a Catholic company that has your morals and faith in mind? Join today online and discover our Catholic difference at Knights.net. I'll bet you know by now that Amazon Smile is a great way to support your favorite charity. And supporting the Guadalupe Radio Network while you shop is easy. Step one, just start off at smile.amazon.com. Step two, choose La Promesa Foundation as your charity. La Promesa Foundation is the parent company of Guadalupe Radio Network. And step three, enjoy your shopping. Amazon will donate a portion of your purchase to the La Promesa Foundation, and it doesn't cost you any extra. La Promesa Foundation and Guadalupe Radio Network, thank you. Hello, this is Julie Carrick, host of We Sing Our Faith on the Guadalupe Radio Network. I want to share with you a song from my album, Shades of Grace, the song Mother of Grace. Of course, it is the Hail Mary set to music, as well as that beautiful prayer of St. Bernard of Clairvaux, the Memorare. So from Shades of Grace, Mother of Grace. And of course, more information can be found at WeSingOurFaith.org or JulieCarrick.com. Now, Mother of Grace. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord our God is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Mary, Mother 
gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession. for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth, and North Texas. Catholic Radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. 